0: well i don't know about you but has anybody been wondering maybe you can't see it over here but what this rag's doing here you would think they could have cleaned up a little bit better when you have all this beauty and all this great music and everything else and and then this is kind of laying around um it's kind of out of place maybe it sticks out a little bit well i'll talk a little bit more about that later but as i was preparing this message Back in December, early December, the first week, I was reading through the different Gospel accounts, and I read through Luke 2, those eight verses, and and in a similar way, some things stuck out to me. And I just had to kind of process them. And, And as I was thinking about this message for Christmas Eve, I began to think about God's love and how it may have felt to Joseph and Mary In that time, as I read this passage, and this whole idea of a census kind of just seemed to stick out kind of funny to me. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. And I'm thinking about Joseph and Mary, and I'm thinking about Mary, and she's pregnant. And she's rather far along in her pregnancy. And she's forced to take a road trip. And this is no trip, a few blocks, you know, kind of over the river and through the woods, over to grandma's house for Christmas kind of a feel. This is a trip that's normally a couple days in length, but with her as far along as she was, this might take a week or two or possibly more. I kind of imagine in my mind, here's Joseph, he's at work one day. He's a carpenter, he's busy working. And someone comes and goes, did you just hear the news? It's just been decreed that Caesar, this megalomaniac, arrogant guy, wants to know how many he has in his new empire. And so he's taking a census, he's getting a count, he's getting a number. You know what that means? This was not a little thing for people back then. They had to actually pick up, get their stuff, and go back to their hometown where they needed to register. This disrupted life in a major way. And so you get this idea of Joseph hearing this, and Joseph, who's yet not married to Mary, comes back to Mary's home, and he breaks the news. He says, Mary, um, we've got to go to Bethlehem. Pack your bags. Now, I don't know about you, but think about it. How many women here are pregnant, and you're getting news that you're going to travel for two weeks by foot or on some kind of mule? Not real exciting. I think that night in her prayers, I can just hear Mary. She looks up at the sky. She says, Lord God, God of my fathers, what are you doing? I thought you loved me. This doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Is This the way that you love someone who loves you. I said I'd be your servant, but have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that way in your own life? God leads you, He guides you. Maybe you've been seeking Him and He begins to start to work in your life in certain ways and, 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 and things are kind of coming together and, and it's just good being with God and all of a sudden the circumstances in your life, the head self, like it did for Mary, she's got a, you know, it's all going bad and you begin to wonder and you say, God, I don't get this. Where are you? I think Mary's left asking, I thought you said, God, you would be with us in this deal. When you sent an angel and you sent one to Joseph, I was real excited about that. And now? Well, another thing stuck out to me as I continued to read through this, these words, pledged to be married expecting a child. It just kind of is a little bit, you know, out of what you would think, the norm. So Joseph, it says in chapter 2, verse 4, also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, this can't be easy. Imagine how difficult this is. Talk about sticking out. Being out of place, in a sense. Joseph and Mary, they head to Bethlehem, and she's great with child. You know what I mean? She's huge. Pregnant. You know, you get it? She's great with child. And they're on their way to Bethlehem. And imagine how uncomfortable it is as they travel along to Bethlehem and, and as people go along and as, they, 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 as a caravan, they can pick up people along the way and they get to know people and here's someone comes up and gets to know him. Hey, my name's Joseph. They call me Joe. He goes, hey, Joe, cool. He says, I see your wife and. Um, When's your what's your wife do? Oh, real soon, says Joe. When did you kids get married? <clears throat> well, we're not yet really married. And, you know, the guy kind of smiles slyly. <laughs> sure. Or as or they pull into Bethlehem, some of Joseph and Mary's relatives, they, they come up to meet and to greet them. And the ladies are all excited as they come around Mary, and they're gushing as women do as they come around one who is pregnant. And she's far along in, in her pregnancy, and, and the women are excited. They say, "Mary, you look ready to—you look ready any day, and you look so wonderful, Mary." And, and she says, "Thanks so humbly and shyly." And we hadn't heard the news though. How long have you kids been married? Um, Mary pauses. Well, um, we're not yet. Her face turns red and the looks of family members are offended. God's love sometimes leads us to places where we don't understand. Where we are misunderstood by the things that God calls us to do. Imagine being in Joseph's sandals and trying to explain this one to people. Well, you know, Mary was singing one day. She was worshiping God. She was so into it. And then an angel came and the angel said she'd be pregnant. And that's how it all happened. The guys are rolling their eyes going, Yeah. Sure, Joseph. Or Mary's telling someone, you know, Joseph had nothing to do with it. No, I don't mean it that way. I mean, she says, oh, I mean, I was, you know, God came. And how do you explain that? Sometimes God does things and calls us to do things and to walk with him. And sometimes love doesn't make sense. Why would God make himself known this way? And Joseph and Mary both pray, I thought you said, God, you would bless us and make our names great. And our name seems to become mud the, and we're misunderstood. And there's people who are our relatives and they're disgusted with us. And we feel quite quite worthless in some ways, God. And the other thing that stood out to me, says the time came for the baby to born, her firstborn. And there was no room. Luke 2 says in verse 6 and 7, While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Once again, it just sticks out to me, and it makes no sense. Why would God cart them all the way to Bethlehem, have them be misunderstood in following him, and then have no place reserved for them? Just think of the potential tension between Mary and Joseph over this one. This is Mary's first one. You have to remember this. This is the special child that the angel announced. This is the child that's miraculously conceived. No doubt, like any mother, she has that nesting kind of thing come on her. You know what I mean? She's thinking, you know, brand new paint in the room, carpeting new that would be good, new crib, toys. You know how that goes? She has all this stuff going on. And they come into this place... And and, and possibly their relatives shun them. There's no place for them. They're even offended possibly by this whole thing. And they they go and and, and Joseph's trying his best and he tries a couple places, a couple inns. There's no place available. And Joseph comes back to Mary and says, you know, Family, they're not really into this. We can't stay with any of them. I actually tried the inn and there's no room. And she's looking and i going, well, didn't you make reservations? He goes, yeah. I, I, yeah." And he goes, well, did you get a confirmation number? I and mean, you just imagine the tension. It just seems sometimes God, loves, his love makes no sense. And once again, their prayers at night are, God, what are you doing? I, mean, I thought you promised to take care of us. What's going on? Sometimes love doesn't make sense. Sometimes the way God loves doesn't make the sense that we would hope it would. Sometimes it's just beyond reason. And thank God it is. Thank God it is. Thank God we don't love the way He loves. Thank God that He loves so differently. Thank God that He was a God who from ages past was preparing that someday He would come and show up in this life so that we could know Him and and we could understand Him and we could actually experience His life and and know what Christmas is all about, this new beginning, this God who's, who's always coming into our life in a new and a fresh way, always open to anyone who's open to Him. This God whose love doesn't make any sense, is so beyond reason at times because I thank God it is. I thank God that at times we have to go, God, I don't get it because this God is a God who doesn't love like us. He doesn't love on the basis of what you do for him. He doesn't love on the basis of what you could earn through, through, the, the, through your love towards him. He's not loving you because you love him. He loves you because he just loves you. In fact, what's so amazing about this God is he does all these things, he prepares all things, and at times we don't understand what God's doing. But I am so impressed with His God who loves us. Because, like this little rag, I look at this thing and I go, if it wasn't for my irrational protective care, someone may have taken this thing and actually thrown it in the garbage. I was asking people, make sure that no one takes that thing and throws that away as we were setting up, getting things prepared. Because seriously, what value does this thing have? Why would I be so enamored with this? Huh? I mean, it really makes a lousy blanket. Kids, think about it. If you said, Mom, I'm cold tonight, would you put another blanket on me, and she came over and she put this thing on you, I mean, what would you think? I'd a little crazy. It wouldn't keep you warm. It makes a really poor dish towel. I mean, there's more air in this. It could barely dry a spoon. It's not a retractive scarf. You see all these people up there with these nice scarves tonight looking kind of Christmasy. It doesn't really make even a good scarf. It doesn't even work dusting off of off furniture that well. In fact, it's not even valuable of a rag. How many here would actually keep this as a rag in your rag box? Not anyone. It's like ready for garbage. But guess what? This thing is so immensely valuable to me and to my family. It, it is so valuable that I didn't want anyone. I kept my eye on this thing. Because this value is not in this little rag. It's my youngest daughter's blanket when she was little. And, and she wore the stuffings out of this thing in a sense. And I asked her, I said, you know, could I, could I use this to just kind of illustrate how much God loves us? Like, you know, it's not about us. We're a lot like this thing. It's not about anything. This thing has any value except for the value for who it belongs to. You know, what? at times when when she was young, if we left this about two hours away on a trip in a hotel, guess what we would do? We drive two hours back to get this thing. Anybody ever done that? You've done that. You know, if this was left at my 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 parents home in Florida, we would actually spend more than this is worth to have them send it to us. Not because of the value of this, because what it means to to my daughter and what it means to us. And here's the whole story of Christmas. Jesus is God coming in flesh, the God of the whole universe coming into this earthly, dirty place in order to tell you and to tell me. And not only just to tell us, but to live before us in such a way that he wants us to know him so that we can experience a relationship with him. And it's not because of who you are and what you can give him and all the things you have. Because in all reality, we're nothing outside of the fact that it's his love for us. What a great gift. The gift isn't in you to him, the gift is in his love for you. I remember an author, his name's Donald Miller, he tells about his own kind of conversion experience and he talks about the fact that he heard a story from a friend of his who's a Navy SEAL. And this friend told what he did one time and he had to keep it pretty classified and it was still, he didn't talk a whole lot about it, but he did tell them that he actually With some other Navy SEALs, they quietly prepared and planned and got everything ready and got the plans together and they went behind enemy lines and they came into a place, into this compound where these, where these people had been held hostage. About six or seven of them held hostage for months. And they they were in this dirty, dark, filthy place. And and they had been tortured and and beaten. And and they had done all kinds of things to them. And so they came into that compound. They broke free and got into that place in order to rescue them. And as they come into that place and and, and they come into the room where they're at, they find them all crouched and all afraid. I mean, who knows what the, what the enemy did to them, whether they would do things like this. But they weren't curled up all afraid. And they said, hey, we're Americans. Come on, we're here to free you, to rescue you. And they tried to pull them. And they just would stay, crouched down in that little position. They wouldn't move. They didn't know what to do. They had to get out of there because they wanted to get back to the ship in order to, to, to get these Navy SEALs, get these, these people free. But they weren't sure what to do because you can't make people, you can't force them to go. And if you start to force them, there's never going to get out of there. And so one guy had an idea. He he took and put his weapon down. He took his helmet down. He laid down in the middle, kind of between these different people. And he curled up like them. And he was face to face with one. He put his arm around one. He just sat there for, it seemed like a long time for him. And he just sat there as one of them. Because he valued in some way, he doesn't know them, but he wanted to help rescue them. And he sat there for a while, and finally the person opened their eyes. And as he opened his eyes, he looked at the person, he whispered, he said, I'm an American. He he continued to whisper and said, we're here to rescue you. If you would just get up, if you would just get up and follow me, we want to bring you to safety. We're here to rescue you. And so they finally, he, he got the person to kind of lock eyes enough to begin to get up. And that one person got up, and because that one person followed him, the other ones began to follow them. And they got them out, and they got them to safety. And Donald Miller goes, you know, I just think about it. If that's the way that Jesus is, here is here is Jesus who has come into this world. Not because of something we can offer him, but because he loves us, because even though you may feel like this, even though your life, because of the sin and shame in it, feels separate and God at Christmas comes with a gift and says it's not about you. You may feel and look and be like this worthless rag, but I'm here to rescue you. I entered into this to this whole earth in experience. In order to love and to die and to save you, and Donald Miller says that Jesus, God's son. If if I could, I just, if I if I was able to understand that this is Jesus, God's son, and and we're captive in a world run by Satan, in a world filled with brokenness, and. And all I need to do is like that little person who is laying there, is lock eyes with Jesus and trust Him and and say, I will follow you because you have come and loved me enough to enter into my situation to rescue me. That's Christmas, folks. A lot of wonderful things around Christmas, but the heart of the message is this. There is a God who so loves you that He entered into this world and He sees just who we are. But I want to tell you, when I was taking this rag. I'm so careful with it because I don't want to do anything to hurt it or harm it. My daughter was here in the first service and I really was more careful then. God loves you so much. He so cares about you. You think this is important to me. Just think how important you are to God. The greatest gift is that God became a man in Jesus, a little baby like we saw here, so that he could get kind of on the floor next to us and say, I love you so much that I want to take you. All you need to do is trust and follow me, and I'll lead you, and I'll rescue you from the things that you're afraid of. I'll heal you from the things that have wounded you. I'll free you from the things that are binding you. I'll love you where you need to be loved. Merry Christmas. Father, thank you that you love us so much. May Christmas not be just a celebration of friends and family, of gifts and carols, but may it be... Our hearts awaken to the fact that you are so in love with us. That you would rescue us from anything. And you have. Praise God. Amen. Well, you can see in your bulletin on the back, this is the time we light candles. But this candle represents the Christ child. The light that came into this world of darkness. And as we light this, it is this truth that in Christ, He has the ability to light, as we said, that dear Christ enters in. Christ in His light can enter into your life simply by asking and trusting and receiving Him and opening your heart to Him. My prayer is that there will be room in your heart, no matter what's going on, that you can know this Christ child and the light that he wants to place in your heart and may it burn brighter for those of you who know him this Christmas. Greatest gift you can give really is prayer. And you know what? Prayer is incredibly powerful. I just want you to take a moment and just in your heart, a sentence or two, pray for someone you know that God might just put on your heart right now and just quietly just give that to God. Lord, take these gifts and treasure them and do as you please in Christ's name. Amen. Let us just bow for the benediction. Father in heaven, who has loved us so much to send his son, Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And may we live by the law of love and share the gospel of peace. Amen. Merry Christmas.